I didn't know if there were bees to that. <laughs> uh, I had a serious breakdown. I too have had fantasies about finding romance in a foreign country. Listen, I had a friend that told me we were on a trip to Montreal. She said her hip hurt. Asked her how long it took me to leave her in the hotel. <laughs> Adulting can be hard, even scary. Adulting Horror Stories shares intimate tales of adulting fails and insights into how to avoid them. Hello, welcome to Adulting Horror Stories. I'm your host, Dion, and today I'm joined by Dream Andrea and Mari, the Queen of Trips. How are you guys? How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> All is well. Thank you for having us. Awesome. Glad to hear it. I'm doing good, too. Today's been a good day. Today's episode will be about travel horror stories and the steps we can take to have successful and enjoyable travel experiences. Before we start, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourselves, maybe starting with Mari? Sure. So I am Mari, the queen of trips. I have been traveling solo uh, for business and for personal reasons for the last 14 years. I am a first-gen Latina. My goal is to travel the world before I retire. My name is Drea. I was born and raised in Miami. Both of my parents are Colombian. I was in the Marine Corps for 12 years, where I grew a love and a passion for not only traveling, but really connecting with other cultures. And I have been living in Colombia for the past two years. I am very jealous. <laughs> it's a good time. Also, I'm never going to tell people I'm single again. I am now forever solo for personal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds better. <laughs> so to start, we'll talk about our travel horror stories and what we learned from them. But after that, I have some additional questions for Drea and Mari that I think will be beneficial to the audience. As usual, I will begin. I was lucky enough to do research abroad in Japan for two months while I was in college. And I made some friends while there. And we still talk to this day, still message on Facebook Messenger, sometimes do video calls, stuff like that. I had been thinking about going back for a while, and finally I decided to make a plan and do it. I was anxious about it, specifically because I had never really planned a trip for myself before. Usually it would be my parents planning it, or a school trip, or with the research abroad, the school helped me figure out where I would be staying, and I kind of winged it on what I'd do while I was there. This was the first time I'd be planning a trip from start to finish and visiting multiple people in multiple cities. And I'd heard stories of it going bad for people. People booking their hotel for a day after their plane landed and having to sleep in the airport the first night. Or missing a train connecting to another city and having their hotel reservation canceled entirely in that other city. But I went through with it. I did a bunch of research, asked friends for advice, compared hotel prices, researched activities and restaurants, made, remade, and finalized on an itinerary, 
let my friends in Japan know what days I would be there in their cities and for how long. And finally, everything was booked and all I had to do was go and pray that I got my timing right and didn't miss my trains. <laughs> the problem is I decided to start planning this trip in January of 2020. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so... The trip was supposed to be from April 26th to May 8th of that year. Oh, boy. And as we know, COVID <laughs> lockdown started in March of 2020. So after all that work, the entire trip was canceled. And I still haven't gone. Um, Even if I wanted to, U.S. tourists were banned from Japan until October of 2022 because... Too many Americans don't know how to behave during a pandemic. Right. As usual. <laughs> and my life has been crazy from that November onward. I think what I learned was the common saying, you can do everything right and still fail. While I haven't had the energy to plan a big multi-city outside the U.S. trip like that since, I'm sure I will make it happen one day. Definitely. How about you guys? What are your travel horror stories, if you have any? So I'll make mine super brief. And I think that, like you said, you had everything planned to a T. And my perspective comes in like you can have everything planned to a T. And you're traveling with a new travel partner, be it a girlfriend, guy friend, whatever the case is. And then you get to the destination and you realize that you both have a very different perspective of what it is that you want out of the trip. So some people will want to be, you know, partying and out here in these streets, right? And then some people are way more about getting to know, you know, the local culture and things like that. So I think it is so important because who you travel with is crucial um, as to what you're going to get out of the experience. And I feel that has happened to me a handful of times to where I decided like, look, you can't travel with just anybody. And I'm so particular about who I will decide to go on a trip with. Absolutely. I agree. One of the things with travel is it doesn't matter how meticulous you may be. It doesn't matter how um, how much of a type A personality you are, you know, that you have everything booked, you know, like booked and, and your itinerary ready to go. But sometimes Murphy will get in and, you know, Murphy's Law will get in there and kick your butt. <laughs> uh, so... Like I mentioned before, I've traveled for a really long time and there's just some mistakes that you always think are rookie mistakes. And yet they may still happen to even the most experienced travelers. So last year, exactly a year ago, I was in Belfast with a group of women. And one of the things that I always do when I leave a room is I check the bed, I check underneath the bed, I check uh, the side tables, I check the drawers. Like, I just want to make sure that when I'm checking out of a hotel, I make sure not to leave uh, anything behind. We checked out of the hotel, left the premises, we went to the Titanic Museum, 
And when I went to pay for my entry, well, surprise, I realized then that I had lost my wallet. <laughs> I didn't know where, and not only my wallet, but my passport was in there with all of my credit cards. So, so right in that grouping, there's already like three mistakes that an experienced traveler will immediately point out, which is you never keep all of your credit cards and your money together. You always put them in separate places because if you do lose one or somebody takes your stuff, whatever may happen, if you lose a set of credit cards, then at least you have one backup somewhere else in your luggage. I didn't do that. The second thing is I didn't check everything thoroughly when I was leaving the hotel and I had missed this wallet that had somehow either fallen out of my purse or been placed incorrectly on the desk chair. That's why I say like check everywhere that you would think not to check because you never know if you dropped a, you know, valuable earring, your watch, your wallet, your passport somewhere that at a glance you can't see it so you have to do a thorough check of your hotel room absolutely i actually i have a sort of like a pre-travel notes checklist Mm -hmm. um of both the things you need like your passport but also the things i tend to forget like this charger or some other thing if i reached into my backpack and couldn't find my passport my heart would stop (laughs) Uh, I had a serious breakdown because, <laughs> so honestly, in, when we put it into perspective, okay, you lost your passport. It's, it's just a hassle to get another one, a replacement, right? And at the end of the day, it may cost you an extra two or three days. You might lose your flight if it's like on the weekend and there's nowhere for you to process a passport replacement to get back to the U.S. So it's like it sent me over the edge and I actually broke down in tears. (laughs) Mm. Uh, It was also really embarrassing to have this happen. Like it was, there was a lot of self judgment about a rookie mistake that is so easily avoided, but can still happen to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what the podcast is about, right? Showing that Mm -hmm. it happens to people who are, really good at traveling or who once again are in some stage of adulthood, it can happen to you. The best thing we can do is learn from it and share the knowledge. Absolutely. Also thinking on the whole, like making sure the person you travel with matches you. I have had that issue before as well. For me, it's that I do like to like make a good packed itinerary, Mm -hmm. but especially the first day that I arrive somewhere I kind of just want to like bask in it, but not do too much. Mm -hmm. And so there's people who will try to like pressure me to like, you know, we have to get up. We have to go. We got to go now. We're we're wasting time. And I'm like, no, no. (laughs) That's how Maribel is. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say something about that. (laughs) I love it, though. You know, it's beautiful. Some people, you know, and I, I love that attitude, like, Yo, you get there and you came here for a reason and you want to get to know every inch of the city possible. But, you know, like I said, people travel for different reasons. So it's like, yo, like, I just want to take it in. I want to see kind of like check the vibe and relax, unpack, do all of the little details before I totally jump in. Yeah. And. I like that too, especially like day two, but day one, if I'm a little jet lagged or something like that, if you want to go out, go for it. 
But if I paid $500 for this Airbnb and for however much for this plane ticket, and I decide of my own free will and volition that I want to lay in bed all day, that is my choice that you cannot stop me. Right. <laughs> so, so listen, the best people to travel with, if they ever agree to that, is a solo traveler. Because, a so- listen, I had a friend that told me we were on a trip to Montreal she said her hip hurt, asked her how long it took me to leave her in the hotel. <laughs> I was like, all right, boo, you do you. Go get some rest. I will bring you snacks if you want some. I think that's a super important point. Sometimes it's hard to have the conversation after the fact when you realize like, oh, no, this person is pressuring me to do stuff I don't want to do. But it's dope to have that conversation like, hey, so how do you feel about you know, just getting to know the other uh, person's like interests and the way they like to travel and be like, hey, would you be okay if you don't want to do something if I took off? And then there's like no hard feelings as opposed to later on being in a situation and then feeling like, hey, well, you know, (laughs) sorry for you. You know, this is not what I'm here for. I'm out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you also can, I mean, Depending on the situation of why you were considering traveling together, this may not work. But if it was more like of a platonic thing, you can say like, hey, we're going to be here similar days. Let's hang out all day Wednesday. Right. You can have separate itineraries. But Wednesday you agreed to go to the botanical gardens together and try out a restaurant. And then the rest of the time you can still be your separate selves. Right. That's a really good idea. That's a good point. I was going to say that, yes, I don't tend to travel in groups very much. And when I do, I try to choose people that are okay with me having my own independence because I know, for example, museums are not for everybody. There's just certain activities that some people have, like Andrea said, zero interest in doing so that there's no hard feelings. Like those conversations should definitely come up before you even buy those plane tickets. Absolutely. Um, I also think traveling with somebody, like if you're starting to date somebody, I think it's a great filter because. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a great way to be like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> right. Very early on, nobody wastes their time. The way people travel tells you a lot about how a person is. I agree. I would just recommend it be like a domestic trip because I'm not. Yes. I'm not flying to Europe to find out that I don't like you. <laughs> yeah, it can be a domestic trip, a little weekend getaway. <laughs> there we go. Mm-hmm. So I, too, am a solo traveler, but it's not even necessarily or I don't know. I'm usually a solo traveler. It's not even necessarily because I have different travel opinions from other people, like the way I want to spend it. I'm still willing to, like, compromise to some degree mm-hmm. It's that. Most of the people in my life, like 98%, are flaky as hell. Now you know why I started solo traveling. <laughs> yeah. So I'm um I'm actually planning to do a solo travel episode specifically about solo travel with another guest one day if I can convince them to do it. And I'll talk about my experiences more then. But like, usually... If you give me, say, three months to plan because I'm broke and I can't buy last minute tickets, I'm down. If if I got some time to plan and some vacation time, I'll go. And other people are always like, I'll let you know next month. I'll let you know after I, um, 
you know, figure out what my updated PTO is. I'll let you know. And then like, it comes down to like, for me, the danger zone where I'm like, listen, I am not buying plane tickets like a week before. Right. On no notice. We need to figure this out. And then they're like, oh, I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> um, and that, that can only happen so many times before you start going places without people. And then like you post a photo of yourself in Medellin, Colombia, mm-hmm. or somewhere in Europe, or somewhere in Australia. And they're like, oh my God, why didn't you tell me you were going there? I wanted to go. And I'm like, oh. I didn't want to go with you anymore. Yes. <laughs> so the same people I used to constantly be asking about travels, about traveling, you know, about creating a trip for us to go together. Once I started solo traveling, now all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, bring me on your trip with you. You know, after years of me, at some point when I used to travel for work, I had hotel rooms that were paid for. And sometimes they were in amazing cities. Andrea came to see me actually one time that I had a hotel room for two weeks in New York City. And sometimes they weren't in not so great cities. So I could understand people not wanting to join me for those trips. But... Uh, there was so many times where I invited my friends or my ex-boyfriend at the time to come travel with me because the room was paid for. And I don't know if it was like maybe a little bit of uh, fear of doing things on their own while I went to work. But I think only Drea and one other person took me up on the offer after like seven years of me having access to these hotel rooms that were pretty decent in great cities and only two people in the span of seven years took me up on the offer. So at that point, I kind of realized if I want to go places, I had to make the choice to start going by myself. If I'd known you back then, I'd have hooked you up with my mom. Cause once my mm-hmm. mom finds out one of her children, one of her friends is like living in a new state, new country. She's like, no hotel fees. I'm coming. <laughs> so I think that covers our horror stories for today i mean feel free to throw some in that come to mind but um i'm gonna move into the questions that we had for today i thought over i have friends who will say you know i've never left the east coast i've never left the u.s i've never left you know the city that i live in for the people who like traveling isn't a big part of their life what things might be most important to building a good experience because my family's from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I've been traveling internationally for a longer time than a lot of other people and like had more time to get experience with that. But not everyone has that. And so that's where like these questions sort of come from. The first one that I have is what are some common mistakes to avoid when it comes to traveling? I have one that came immediately to mind. Go for it. So in the US, our dating system is month, day, year. Mm. But that's not the case for the rest of the world. For the rest of the world, it is day, month, year. So what happens is, let's say the month is anywhere from January through December, the dates can be confused because we may think it's December 3rd, but for the rest of the world, it's March 12th. And so that, that wreaks havoc for people leaving the States for the first time and reading their itineraries uh, when they're outside of the States. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, like, I think that, it's like, there could be some fear associated with, like, 
international type travel. And I would understand like a desire to do as much research as possible and pack your itinerary as much as you can. But I think it's also very important to leave some open time in your itinerary to where once you get on the ground and you start talking to people, which hopefully you go out and connect with other folks that are either also traveling in the same city or just locals to where you can um, receive recommendations and take people up on different types of experiences that you didn't necessarily see while you were planning. I think it's always um, beneficial to have some free time in the itinerary. I agree. I would add a tip that one of my former professors taught me, which is um, similar to like our mutual worries about losing our passports. If you travel <laughs> internationally, People will try to rob you. Um, people will try to steal your passport for their own benefit. And so what she said was leave your passport locked up safe in your hotel or, you know, in your suitcase in your hotel, but print a copy of it and take that with you on the street so that more than likely no one's asking for your ID. But if something does happen, you can say, Hey, I have an American passport. I'm at this hotel. If you take me that back there. I'll prove to you who I am versus if your passport is stolen, it's a lot more complicated. Agreed. And then also email yourself a copy just just in case everything else fails. Right. I'd also like to add that I know we all hate to think about the extra expenses of travel, but I, for one, do not leave the United States without travel insurance anymore. I have travel credit cards that include some sort of travel insurance, but I always buy an additional policy because if anything, COVID taught us that things can change in a matter of days very quickly. Governments can close, countries can lock down. So it's always better to have a policy that can help you get out of a situation. When you travel, you're exposed to many things and not to make anybody, not to, to say this to deter anybody from traveling, but you never know if there's a natural disaster or just things that can happen. It doesn't even have to be that extreme. Nobody is um, exempt from like falling and breaking an arm or a leg or something on their trip or having a dental emergency while you're there, you know, just things that nobody accounts for, but that can definitely wreak havoc on vacation. And travel policies are not as expensive as you would think. It just, in some cases, will only add like 100 or $200 more to your itinerary anyway. And I think that's worth it for peace of mind. I feel like I can hear people in the audience saying, mind your business. But <laughs> I still think you're right that, especially if you can afford it, it's the safer way to go. And it does just make sure that you have that peace of mind. Right. Listen, let's say you don't have a travel credit card that covers your luggage. We know that these airlines sometimes will lose your luggage. God knows what happens to luggage sometimes. But let's say you arrive at your destination and you have no luggage. Your travel policy will cover you if you if you have one. They cover you to get a replacement. The airline is supposed to cover you, but we all know sometimes there's a lot of back and forth with an airline for them to reimburse you. Mm -hmm. I think recently there was a legislation passed about that, but don't quote me on, on that because I have yet to investigate what it is. In other words, Google it just in case. Right. <laughs> that's what that's what my audience came here to hear. Google it just in case. <laughs> um, yes. One that I think I would add 
is do research on airport arrival times a couple days before you go. I come from originally New York City, where if you're going to JFK, you need to get to JFK two hours before your flight leaves because of all the nonsense you have to do to um get to your gate. I then moved to um a smaller town and once told my friend, all airports are the same. You should get to the airport two hours before your flight in this small town. He got there so early that <laughs> the airport wasn't open. <laughs> and he just had to sit in his car. You need for that specific place, you can arrive like 30 minutes early, maybe 45. Some places might be three hours because they're doing construction. Even if you think like, oh, I'm pretty safe. I always arrive two hours early. Do your research in advance because maybe it's two hours for most domestic flights, but you're doing international. You have to go through customs and that takes another 30 minutes. And mm -hmm. now you're pushing past people to try to get to your gate in time. Also, sometimes when you find a deal, you'll see these deals posted on websites and you may be arriving to one airport Let's say you're in transit in London, for example. There's like two different airports in that area. Make sure that you do not assume that you are arriving and leaving from the same airport if you're getting mm -hmm. a, one of those deal tickets because a lot of people will assume that they're arriving and leaving from Heathrow. And what they fail to see is that they may arrive in Heathrow, but then their exit is through, I think the other airport's called Gatwick or something like that. That airport, to get to that airport, takes about two hours from Heathrow, if you're lucky. And it's like a over a 100-pound cab ride. So make sure that if you're buying one of those tickets that has a layover, make sure your layover arrives and leaves from the same airport before you get a, a surprise. And always try to be on the right side of the British pound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>... Yes. <laughs> oh, that currency is strong. I guess my last one before I like jump to the next question, I think would be do research on currency conversion, like the best currency conversion method for the place you're going. Some countries, it's better to do an ATM. Some places, it's best to do the airport. Other places, it's best to leave the airport and go to a bank, maybe a specific bank. But you can save yourself a bunch of money just from those um, transfer fees by figuring out the best conversion rate in advance. And if you want to be extra bougie, like Mari and me, you can get a travel <laughs> credit card. Mm -hmm. And travel credit cards, verify it on the specific travel credit card. I know the Chase Sapphire Reserve, it lets you do international purchases with the card. Yes, that's such a big one. I completely agree to ask around figuring out also what type of not only the currency, but how much cash are you expected to have day to day? Because there's some places in Colombia you could show up with the bougiest credit card you wanted to. <laughs> but they, and but they, they don't, don't take it. <laughs> they don't take credit cards, you know. Cuba, there's no ATMs at all like that Americans could use, etc. So I strongly agree. Um, to figure out how and where you're going to get the absolute best rates that are going to maximize your money on this trip. I'm going to piggyback off of both of you. So uh, for your audience, there's two bank accounts that you can have 
that allow you to withdraw money outside of the United States and they reimburse you for your ATM fees. And and that's a big one because in countries like Thailand, every time you go to the ATM, it's either seven or $11. I don't remember exactly, but that adds up very quickly if you're withdrawing money every other day. So the two banks that have reimbursement of ATM fees are Ally Bank, which is an online bank, and Charles Schwab. And I believe for Charles Schwab, you may need a minimum of $1,000 in their bank account. Again, don't quote me 100% on that. (laughs) But Ally requires no minimum, and they reimburse you for your ATM fees. Good to know. So my next question, we've covered it a little bit, but we can zoom in and be a little more specific. What advice do you have for people planning a big trip for the first time? I think that most importantly, you know, the way we travel now is nothing like, you know, our parents did or even when we were younger, we traveled with like a fold out map. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's Mm -hmm. so many resources out there. There's so many people traveling and posting content, whether it be YouTube, just get general information. What I'm also seeing a lot of is these Facebook groups, depending on um, the different countries that you're traveling to, where it's just a lot of uh, foreigners that are living in that country. You could hop into these groups and ask very specific questions. So I think that aside from just Googling like businesses, that do the actual tours while you are there. Ask people that have lived there for a while if you have access to whether it be the group chats or whatever the case is, because that's where the best answers are going to come from and the most experience for that specific location. I agree. Facebook groups are great to get tips on things to do, places to see. It's good to speak to people that are already living there to, to give you some tips. So my recommendation for somebody that's planning their first big trip is as you're doing your research, do not form expectations in your mind that there's something called the Paris effect, I believe, where people have this like super grandiose expectation of Paris. And then I I typically hear a lot of people say that they are very, except for the Eiffel Tower, that when they arrive in Paris, they're very underwhelmed about it. And I noticed that that stems a lot from like creating these high expectations about places. And don't get me wrong, when you get there, it's going to be amazing. You know, you're going to see so many things that are different from your day-to-day life. But I, I feel like sometimes when we're going through the research process, we may create these very high expectations. And then if you go somewhere with extreme high expectations and the location doesn't meet those expectations, then you may feel like let down about this trip that you've been planning and looking forward to for so long. So kind of just keep an open mind and be excited about the trip, but don't force yourself to have maybe not realistic expectations of locations that you're visiting. Yeah, absolutely. I would sort of add on to that. What I try to do is I want to explore and I want to learn. So I, I want to like get out of my comfort zone and try some things I'm not expecting or try the coolest thing that, you know, you've seen online to do there. But right. I also pick some things that I know I'm going to enjoy. So for me, the odds of me not enjoying a zoo, aquarium or botanical garden is just very low. Mm-hmm. So at least 
one of the things I'll do is try to visit one of those things in another country where the animals might be different or in another state where the animals might be different as like some solid foundation of enjoyment along with all the other crazy stuff I might try. That's so true. And I love that comment of just traveling with an open mind because what I hate to see a lot of the time is that people travel and are looking for like they want to be overseas, but all of the accommodations, everything, they want it to be the U.S. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you start to experience something different than what you are accustomed to, they're quick to be able to say like, oh, they're doing it wrong. You know, like, oh, they're this is terrible. That is terrible. But what are you comparing it to? So definitely have an open mind, like Maribel said, and just be completely open to other cultures, really, and the way people live a life that doesn't necessarily reflect the U.S. And the U.S. is not, you know, the only um, correct answer out there. So that's actually why we're heading overseas and checking something different out. So just definitely be open minded. Going on to like the logistics side, I would say um, research what transportation is like in the sense of so obviously I talked earlier about don't mess up your travel times you don't want to miss your connecting train and you know have your hotel canceled or something like that but also just um how does the train work does it have directions in English on the train so that you'll know when your stop is if not do you need to like memorize what your stop looks like in another language do you need a specific bus pass that you have to buy in advance or not do you buy the tickets in advance or not online travel is obviously really important to successfully traveling and so knowing um how your particular bus or train station is going to work in advance is pretty important to that i agree (laughs) i agree so for Women, you know, we always have that like extra level of things that we need to keep in mind. So uh, one of the things for women that travel solo is, that we always talk about is I will never arrive in a city at night by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to have arrival times that are in the afternoon. And then that's one of the things that I definitely research is how to how will I get from the airport to where I'm going to my hotel, my Airbnb, my hostel, wherever it is. Um, because I want to make sure that I know how, how, if it's easy to get there or if it's hard. And I'm definitely not arriving at any point in time that might add a little layer of not danger, but like, you know, extra things to be watchful for. Yeah, absolutely. That actually brings me to our next question. Do you have advice for staying safe while traveling? So there's a saying in Colombia and we're, uh, Drea and I are both Colombians. Um, for anybody that speaks Spanish and I know she already knows what I'm going to say. Our saying is, <laughs> no de papaya. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that translate, the literal translation is don't give, don't give papaya, but, <laughs> but the meaning is, the meaning is you do not make it simple for people to steal from you <laughs> or from people to take advantage of you. That's like the literal trend, the, the meaning behind that. Sorry. Uh, so you don't go to a different country where they, I hate calling countries third world countries. We're not going to call them that. You don't go to countries that are in recovery from colonization 
and bringing, you know, large amounts of jewelry that is very flashy. That's just something you don't do. You don't, you don't go, you know, just taking a wad out of cash in front of people. You just don't do things that make you an easy target. I absolutely agree. It's so funny because in Colombia, like, that's the reaction you get. Like, oh, they, you know, I got pickpocketed from my phone. Like, oh, like, it's like, it's like they look at you like you donated it. <laughs> it's almost like you, you should know better. Like, why did you give it away is the question. Right. But it's like, nah, you know, it's definitely something you have to be more conscious of. And, and that's something that like when my American friends come to visit, will go out to dinner they'll put their phone on the table and like step away or you know be at the ATM and you know just some things that now after living here for so long you're like yo what are you doing for real Um, (laughs) but it's one of those things you have to be way more conscious of not putting anything in your back pockets you know if you some usually carry your phone in your back pocket here I carry it in my front waistband um, just making it way more difficult. And you have to be a little bit more vigilant than we tend to be when we are in the U.S. So definitely pickpocketing just about anywhere is something to be very mindful of. Yeah, I agree. I was going to mention the back pocket thing. Also, just like how you stage money in your wallet or in your pockets. Like mm-hmm. I usually fold the bills into individual bills where like I can like reach into my wallet real quick and pull out an individual bill without like having to flash everything that's in there. Or mm-hmm. I'll have that's a separate so or I'll have like I'll have my wallet potentially, but have a separate set of just like quick cash in my pocket for like the simple things I'm gonna buy, depending on the circumstances. I would also say for travel almost anywhere, like verify that your Uber or your whatever travel thing you're taking is your travel thing. Yes. Like that if it's your driver, check the license plate, yes. all of that. There are people, I'm not naming no countries, but there are people who will start tracking you from the moment you leave the airport, in a yes. sense. Another one... <laughs> I'm sorry, can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. <laughs> so that that happened to me this year. I had some um, tourists come visit and I set up some paragliding for them, right? So they send transportation to the hotel and I'm kind of just tracking to make sure um, that all is well. So I get a message saying, hey, you know, the driver, hey, I'm at the hotel. All right, cool. They should be right out. I spoke to the tourist and she was like, yeah, we're, we're on our way up the mountain, right? So like 15 minutes later, the driver hits me up and is like, hey, I'm still looking for the tourist. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) My heart sunk, right? (laughs) I messaged the tourist and I'm like, hey, like, yeah, everything is fine. We're on our way. Like, oh, okay. And I didn't want to like alarm her. So I was like, hey, can, can I talk, can I talk to the driver? And I was like, hey, how are you doing? I was trying to get a feel for him. Like, I didn't, I didn't know if they were being kidnapped right now. Oh my <laughs> Cause God. Cause the worst thing always comes to mind. And then he's like, yeah, I know. I'm on my way back down to the hotel. Cause it's like, he was waiting for a different set of tools. <laughs> that we're both going paragliding so a paragliding site that's right next to ours 
So I was like, oh my gosh. He's like, don't worry. I know what this sounds like, but don't <laughs> worry. I'm, I'm taking them back to the hotel. I was like, okay, put them on the phone. And they had no idea what was going on. So I was like, hey, well, turns out, you know, it was a little misunderstanding. You're headed back to the hotel and everything is fine, <laughs> but <laughs> you're going to get into the right cab. But yes, absolutely. If you have a way to check like plates, verify whatever the case is, <laughs> I completely agree. The next one I would add is like, make sure that someone is looking for you. So if you know someone in the country, that's even better because they can probably like work with the legal system better. But even just tell your mom, your sister, your friend, hey, I'm going out to this place today. If I don't check in by 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that means something has gone wrong. Right. When I've traveled um, solo, I've also like intentionally booked with travel groups or with like tour planning groups sometimes just because I was like, I'm a whole continent away. Even if my mom knows I've been kidnapped, mm -hmm. there's only so much she can do from the U.S. I want like someone at the hotel, some tour guide, somebody to be looking at, looking for me, I should say, if something goes wrong. Absolutely. There's also, there's two things that are common for solo travelers. And one is to turn on location services on your, if you have an iPhone, I'm not sure if it's the same for Android, but my sister will track me and she'll ask me, Hey, are you at such and such place? Because she sees it on the map. And so she tracks me a few times a day and she'll text me. And I always check in with them as well. The second thing that is recommended for solo travelers is to enroll in the step program which is like a program from the embassies, the U.S. embassies will, in the countries where you will be visiting. Because if, knock on wood, things go really left, they can assist starting a search for you or, or something if necessary. Also, if you need something while you're there, then they're also a great resource for you to go to in case you have a situation that requires extra involvement. This isn't necessarily like to stop you from getting hurt but to stop you from getting scammed personally i would say don't buy anything that someone is actively trying to sell you on the street <laughs> like if you want it when you go into a store or you go into a market and you start bartering so be it but if someone's like oh hey this jewelry would look really good on your arm or something and then suddenly once they put it on you you can't take it off and they're like you have to pay for it like I feel like people trying to sell you things or people trying to make something look free or too good to be true. Unless I decide in advance I want it, I don't want it, hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. Those are typically easy scams to fall into. But there's like one of the things I do watch on YouTube before visiting somewhere are the like known scams of that country. Mm. Just so I'm aware if I see it, like then I'll know what to expect or what's common there. In Colombia, for example, sometimes they'll slap a bracelet on your arm or they'll like quickly put it on you. And then it's like they want 30,000 pesos, which is insane. Insane for what it costs there. It, for mm -hmm. us, it would really only be like $6. Yeah. And then the last one that comes to mind for me is, and it should be obvious, but I still want to stress it, is like, don't get wasted around people you can't trust so yes. obviously if you're traveling solo and you're just drunk alone in the bar anything can happen right but yes. there's also people who maybe they go on a whole group trip with 
a bunch of girls or guys they know loosely, but not really that well. Maybe you only know one of them truly well where you trust them. Unless you like to honestly, I think you got to make a pact, like tell a specific person, like either you're being the designated sober person or just hey if i get messed up do you have me will you make sure i'm okay never assume because a lot of times not only are people just not as supportive of you as you think they are but sometimes they just aren't trained on what to do when their friend is super crazy drunk and the result is they think it's okay, like that even though you're acting like crazy, they can leave and go to another bar, even though in 15, 30 minutes, you might be like fully passed out and by yourself. And they think, oh, no, he's just being crazy back at that other bar. You got to really sort of know who you're with. And also some people are outright malicious towards you. And like rather than some person from another country taking your stuff the mm-hmm. person you traveled with will take your stuff and you'll be too drunk to even know they did it yeah Dang. there's a that definitely goes into no dar papaya <laughs> <laughs> no, do not lose yourself so much in in the fun of the night that it ends up not being so much fun <laughs> oh and the other one for the dudes if a beautiful woman approaches you a more beautiful woman than seems common to your life. <laughs> maybe, maybe just let it go. Um, the circumstances I've heard of are like in Hawaii, mm. a beautiful woman will hit on you, start flirting with you. You take her back to your hotel or something. And when you're done having all of your fun, she charges you. She says like, you have to pay me for my, you know, sex worker services. And if you don't pay me, my pimp is waiting outside. Mm. The other one I've heard is of um, strippers, sex workers, whoever, flirting with you, slipping something in your drink. And then when you pass out, they take your stuff. Yes. That's something that goes on here in Colombia. And, you know, it goes to kind of like that sex tourism. And honestly, I haven't heard too much of it outside of sex tourism not to say that it hasn't happened but a lot of people will come here looking for women and then um exactly what you just said like they will be drugged but to a point where they wake up like three days later and it's kind of wild the results that that happen from that where they have full access to you know your hotel room all your personal information like there are people watching you and studying you and picking you out as an as an easy target. So it's true that when the two women walk up to you, <laughs> that has never <laughs> happened before, <laughs> and offer to take to go back with you to your room, kind of just you know question it. Yeah, I'm not. I too have had fantasies about finding romance in a foreign country. So I'm not hating, but um. Right, right. We just gotta protect ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. My next question is, what advice do you have for people trying to travel on a budget? Ooh, where do we start? <laughs> uh, first of all, this notion that travel's not accessible is a lie. <laughs> we have been lied to. It's a lot more accessible than we tend to think. So we talked on a, one of the 
great resources uh, earlier, which is travel credit cards usually come with miles and points. I recommend travel credit cards to people, but before I recommend them, I always mention to make sure that you are cognizant of your finances. So, for example, I will not charge something that I cannot pay in full that same day. So if I want to buy something with my credit cards, I always make sure that I can pay them off at the end of the week just to make sure that I'm not carrying a balance. But if you learn how to manage a credit card, a travel credit card is a great resource for you to get free flights, free hotel stays. For people that may not have access to a travel credit card, I would recommend planning a trip backwards, not being so gung-ho on only going to a specific location, but instead signing up. There's some aggregators, which are websites that will find deals, and you can sign up for their free newsletters. And these people's jobs on the daily is to find flight deals. And sometimes when you're least expecting it, you'll see a flight deal that's not for like this week. You know, it's not a flight deal that you see today that you need to go on this flight by tomorrow. <laughs> These are flight deals that you have some time to plan and you can get to Europe for like $450, $500. Even with how crazy expensive it is this year to fly to Europe, I have seen deals for Thanksgiving for like $450 to, to get to Spain. And then from Spain, you can just travel to multiple other places in the European con continent, if that's where you want to go. Yeah, that's all really great advice. On the credit card part, before you get your travel credit card, go back and listen to season one's episode, Death Spiral, so that you know how to manage your credit card and um, what happens when you don't. The other thing I'd add for traveling on a budget is um, sort of deciding what is important to you. So there's people in very different economic classes. Like, yes, I would say travel's gotten much more affordable for people, but still there's always people who are very lower middle class, very, you know, lower than that mm -hmm. in the poverty line, right? And um, some things I've seen that I wouldn't necessarily have considered, but that ultimately do get the job done is there's people who will travel, pay the money to travel to amazing cities, maybe travel to Europe, take the train all over. But then one of the most expensive things when you're traveling is food, right? Going to a nice restaurant, um, getting good wine or whatever. They go to a grocery store and get bread, cheese, and soda. And that can greatly offset your cost if your goal wasn't food, but was the culture and the experiences. I personally could not do that. Um, food is like one of my top priorities. But similarly, you might say, okay, I don't need the fanciest hotel, for example. I'm going to get like a cheap but safe Airbnb because I'm only using it to sleep. I'm going to spend the rest of the time exploring something that I personally do that saves money, but I don't necessarily do it because it saves money is I will walk almost anywhere. I am that friend that says, oh, hey, that place is only, you know, a couple blocks away. And it's like 25 blocks away. <laughs> that comes with being from New York, I think. I <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but it's because it's a combo. Like one, obviously, you're not paying for transportation. But two, you get to literally see the city in its 
natural state and potentially see a store that you want to stop into or see a park that you want to stop by at. So like, I think Drea was saying earlier when she says like, leave some free time to sort of discover things. I think having some free time to walk around in a safe neighborhood, ideally, and just wander or um, to walk from one of the destinations you have to another destination, it might save you some money and it might let you experience more things than if you just drove or took the train everywhere. Absolutely. And the one thing that I would add is that once you get to these locations, so if your priority is saving money, aside from hotels and transportation, a lot of our money goes to like tours or, you know, the types of experiences that we have while we are there. Well, if you do enough research, a lot of these places that you want to see don't necessarily require a whole tour to get there. So I see people paying, just as an example here in Medellin, $50 to go see Comuna 13. Comuna 13, you could just show up and walk up, you know? So you can experience the culture, see the sites without a price tag of an organized tour. So definitely research the places that you want to go to. The first thing that is going to pop up is people selling you tours. But just do a little bit more investigation as to whether or not these are the type of places that you can show up on your own, you know, and maybe save some money on that. I would say if you do want a tour, maybe check out tours from the locals because we all know that if it's like an expat that has a tour company, there might be like a premium pricing for that. But sometimes the tours with lo- with actual locals, which would be much more beneficial for you to get to know the local culture anyway, those type of tours are maybe less expensive than going with like a more established tour company, for example. I would also say, so if you're traveling on a budget, maybe don't pick locations that are known for being expensive. Like if you're trying to go to Iceland or some of the, even some of the islands in the Caribbean, like St. Lucia, you know, islands or places that we know have a high cost of being there. Maybe you know that that's the trip for later on. And so to kind of like keep your options open, like not starting off with, as we mentioned earlier, the sterling pound is one of the strongest currencies. Maybe that's not the location you start off on your first trip with. If you're trying to save yourself some money and maybe you decide to go to a different European city or give yourself more time to add to the budget so that you're not charging this trip on your credit card. So I guess it's a little bit about learning to manage to what it is that you want to get out of this trip. One other thing I would be at is once again, like if food is important to you, but not important enough to like break your bank, do not be afraid to grocery shop in general. Like I think I said bread, cheese and soda before, but like, no, other countries have bomb ass food. And I always like to go to a grocery store when I visit another country just to see like what they have. A lot of times they have really good snacks that you can't find in the U.S., potentially it may be beneficial to cook your own food or get something from like a grocery store at grocery store prices rather than a super fancy restaurant, especially if it's for like, maybe you have one nice restaurant meal a day, but everything else is simpler stuff. You can get it from a grocery store and it doesn't have to be something bland. It can still be something that tastes really good. Some of the nicer supermarkets in a lot of countries will have hot food bars too. 
just like Whole Foods does. Or um, maybe you get a little bit more adventurous and you go see what the local market is like. Because there's like there's a, a food market in Colombia, in Medellin, for example, where they serve amazing food for extremely good prices. And the quality of the food is good. It's fresh food. It's delicious. And you get to talk to locals and see what local life is like. And I know I can think outside of Antigua, Guatemala, not even outside, but like on the right on the some of the um, streets that are headed out of the city. There's a food market there, too, that has amazing food that you can get to learn a little bit about the local culture, meet some of the locals and also um, eat amazing food for cheap. Absolutely. Be adventurous. Mm -hmm. Next question. For international travel, possibly even domestic, but I was thinking international, do you have advice on how people can get involved in and learn about other cultures while being respectful of those cultures? Um, so I would say that um, I love when people show up and are actually wanting to connect and get outside of like the tourist bubble that sometimes we feel trapped into, right? Um, if you are going to travel, this might be a little bit for more long-term, more long-term stays, but find a common interest that you would like to share, whether it be a hobby, academic, or whatever the case is, and try to look for groups that are doing that thing in the city that you're going to that is disconnected from tourism per se, right? I, for example, I connected with a foundation out here that does some amazing work in a vulnerable community here. And I did that through finding them through Instagram. Um, there are people doing amazing work, usually hashtag whatever city you're going to. And I've been able to connect with a lot of people that way. Um, and I like a way to be respectful. I would say it's so important to just show up and listen and don't necessarily think you have to provide a solution. Just listen and realize that you're in a different country, different context that affects these types of communities, whatever type of community that you're connecting with. So just be quiet and listen and be prepared to learn as opposed to doing the colonizer thing of showing up and thinking that you have the answers. You may have, you know, different options, a different network where you can later connect folks in a really dope way. And that's awesome. But just definitely show up, connect, but more so listen and learn. I... Definitely love what you said, Drea. And I'm going to add something about arriving somewhere with colonizer mentality. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's stop assuming that the rest of the world has to speak English when we arrive somewhere. I think on a basic level, a big way to show respect for the culture that you're visiting is to at least learn like the five most basic words. Yes, no, please, thank you. And then maybe learn like a phrase like in their language. Maybe you can learn the phrase, do you speak English? But let's not arrive somewhere and kind of assume that people automatically speak English and just start spinning off and speaking to someone in English. And please do not raise your voice when they when they don't understand, because 
it's not that they're deaf. It's just that they there should be no expectation of other people knowing to speak English when you're visiting their country. On the most basic level, I think that shows respect for the local culture. And it shows at least an effort on your behalf to get to know what their language is like. Maybe say hello to somebody, even if you even I think it's good manners anywhere we arrive to greet people that are there, at least in their own language. Just going with that same point, Maribel, I feel like it's important for people to understand how many doors that can open up to them. Like specifically here in Medellin, whenever there is a foreigner just struggling through like five words in Spanish, people just like get so excited at somebody. It just shows a sense of respect and that you are trying to connect and meet them. Um, and you'd be surprised, like you'll get an invite <laughs> to like their house and to, they'll be so happy to show you around. That's how culture is here. Mm -hmm. So I completely agree. I was going to also talk about the language and just say like exactly what you said, right? It shows respect. You really should not expect another country to speak English. The world doesn't revolve around you. It's also not that hard. Like people think they have to learn a whole language. It really is the ones you said, yes, no, please, thank you. The other ones I would add is where is like just I want to go to these mountains. Donde esta these mountains? If you have any like food restrictions or you're looking for something specific, you can learn just how to ask for that thing to make sure you're safe in a restaurant. For me, my brother's like, was bigger on beer so when we went to spain i was constantly having to ask people um what is it como cerveza tienes what beers do you have mm -hmm. <laughs> just for him but um it's like you learn what five six phrases and it makes your life a lot easier don't be afraid to get a translator app and just like run through a couple phrases before you go somewhere and it makes all the difference Right. And you can also write them down and like specifically if you're like if you're like a vegan or vegetarian or you have special dietary needs and you're going to a different country. Make sure you write down the, what those words are, because even if you can't say them, at least you can show it to them in their language. And this may not apply for all the alphabets, obviously, but it does also help you get understood somewhere else. Even if you can't say the words, even if you just have them written down or if you have screenshots of what it is that you want or need. Yeah. So you did have another point, right? Yes. And it's a it's about I think for men, there are some like protocols about attire in certain locations. But I feel like for the most of the world, those protocols apply mostly to women. And I feel like it does suck, obviously, to, <laughs> to have to cover up our our legs from the knees down for example because in some cultures before you go into a temple you have to have your shoulders covered and your you can't show any skin you can't have shorts above your knees is it sexist yes we know but let's not be disrespectful of the culture either let's make sure that we know what type of attire is expected for us to walk into temples with because it is a little, you know, not the entire world is used to having this attire liberty to wear what we want, like we do here. And we may want to visit a temple and it can see it is disrespectful to visit a temple and you're not following the attire protocols. And Google and YouTube are great resources for 
making sure that you are at least following the basic rules of attire before you visit countries where attire for women is something that we should be paying attention to. Yeah, I completely agree. That actually reminded me, tying in being respectful, but also with safety. I assume most of my listeners are from or, you know, have strong ties to the U.S. Think about how the United States treats immigrants and foreigners. If you go to another country, you are an immigrant or a foreigner. You might think that because you're from the U.S., everyone's going to treat you extra special. That is not a guarantee. And people learn that the hard way all the time. Mm -hmm. So if someone says, hey, this is a cultural site, you can't take photos here. Or, hey, you can't wear that here. Or, hey, you can't bring food into this place. Or, hey, you can't bring alcohol into this place. Listen to them. Because aside from being disrespectful and like not potentially valuing their cultural sites or just, you know, the rules in general, the last thing you want to do is get arrested in a foreign country. Yes. Where yes. you you don't have the rights of a citizen. You are not a citizen. You are a foreigner. You probably don't know how the law applies to you in the country you're in. In fact, for the U.S., you don't necessarily know how the law applies to you when you travel to another state. So um, everyone knows, obviously, that they shouldn't be doing things that are illegal. I think it's doubly so when you're in another country. I agree. And to that, there's actually there's been some recent cases. I think there was an influencer, a male influencer that was extradited from Indonesia very recently for being disrespectful at their temples. Do not draw unnecessary attention to yourself or put yourself in a situation where you can get arrested, like you said, over something so minimal, like just being told multiple times not to take pictures. Don't take pictures. Some things are better experienced with our eyes and not with our cameras. Very much so, especially if it means getting put in jail, exactly. missing your flight back home, having yeah. to explain to your boss that you didn't come to work on Monday because <laughs> you were arrested for running through the streets naked in Ibiza. Like... <laughs> It's not worth it. My final question is, is there anything you think people should be more aware of when it comes to traveling? Anything we miss, but also anything you think people like really, especially if you're new to it, don't think about when it comes to traveling? The world is safer than the media portrays it to be. We get a lot of bad news from all over the world. And... We either have very similar problems here on a different scale or we kind of live in this pretentious bubble that we're safer here than in some of the other places in the world. And that's not always the case. I agree with that 100 percent. Like <laughs> I've been living in Colombia for over a year now. And when I hear the news that comes out of the U.S., it is mind boggling to me. Like, I definitely don't want to go there. Like, it's not even funny, like, you know, it's a mass shooting every other week. There's books getting taken down from the libraries. I'm like, yo, what is this? This sounds wild. Yeah, the U.S. is in a, I feel like it's a, it's in a very um shoot-happy mode right now. You walk to the wrong 
door House. by accident, ring the doorbell, you might get shot. Mm-hmm. You try to um, turn around in someone's driveway, you might get shot. You walk up to the wrong car because you think it's yours, but it's not same model, but not your car, might get shot. Um, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little wild in the U.S. right now. I'm not gonna lie. I had to drop off some things on Friday to a coworker and I wasn't sure if I was at the right address. And this was somewhere in rural Florida. And mm-hmm. I was terrified to go knock on this lady's door because I, I kind of joked around a little bit about it. But honestly, you just, you know, you don't really know what the possibility is when you go knock on someone's door and you may knock on the wrong door. Yeah. And especially when you said rural Florida, I'm like, mm-hmm. no, you should be scared. You might get fed to a gator. <laughs> Florida, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the side of like, yeah, countries being safer than, you know, or safer than the media portrays it. What I think about all the time is um, Jamaica, how if you're from Jamaica, the news stories you might read are like how it's getting more dangerous, right? But mm-hmm. then for the wealthy tourists, they're always like, oh, we just had a wedding in Jamaica. We just did a cruise <laughs> to Jamaica. Um, We just went back to the resort for, you know, our third time and it was great. We love the all you can drink pass, whatever. And it's like, the truth is, like in most places, it's both. There's safer areas, there's less safe areas. And even in the less safe areas, you'll probably be fine if you know how to behave Mm-hmm. Um, and potentially you have someone from there who will like watch out for you. Yeah. So, um, I would say caution is important, but don't like assume just everybody who goes to this country gets murdered. That's very unlikely. That's such a good point that both of those things can be true. And it's wild when you go to a different city, like for example, I mean, I'm always going to bring up Medellin because it's where I'm at, right? Like Comuna 13 was known as the most dangerous neighborhood in the world, really, at one point. But now there's still like a lot going on in Comuna 13, but tourism will never see it because it'll mess up the money that's coming in. You know what I mean? Usually if you're planning a newer trip or whatever else and you stay like on the beaten path, um, it's it's kind of like time tested something that's generally safe for tourism that you'll find. So definitely when you hear that one off person being kidnapped somewhere in a rural area in Colombia, OK, yeah, chances are it's not going to be Comuna 13 while you're there, you know? Mm-hmm. For me, my thing I think people should be more aware of is your trip does not have to be an Instagram influencer fest. <laughs> Meaning, I'm not going to lie, I follow those travel pages where everyone's looking gorgeous and eating a whole tray of buffet foods, floating on the water in a crystal clear lake or whatever, with drone footage Mm -hmm. zooming out onto the overall of the hotel. That's marketing. (laughs) That doesn't have to be your experience. Like, don't think that your vacation has to look like that, or it wasn't fun. Don't think that you have to film everything all the time for it to be fun. Sometimes you really just need to, like, really go and embrace the culture, embrace the weather, embrace 
the nature that you um, may not be familiar with where you're coming from. It doesn't have to look super pretty. I'm not going to lie. I'll still take at least three photos to make, you know, my friends on Instagram think my life is better than theirs, but I don't devote <laughs> my life. And then the, I could add on to that, that um, you might think that there's only one way to live, having lived in whatever your original home country is, home state is, and then you go to another country and they live completely different. And some people might criticize them for that, say, oh, they're they're so different, they're so backward, they're so behind. But in some ways, it's like these countries have been around for a hundred years. They're surviving in some the cases of some countries thriving, living the way that they do. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there's things that I see happening in other countries that I want to like adopt in my life. I agree. There's so many different political and economic systems out there that you and listen, I'm not I'm not going to dive too deep into that because I know that can be controversial for some people. But there's always things that you can learn from other political economic systems that could be beneficial for us here that we would like to see here. Right. Obviously, we know that the more we are exposed to the rest of the world, the more that we can learn. And maybe hopefully in the future, we do decide to implement some of those things here. But that's the the beautiful thing about travel is that it does open your mind to see the world with different eyes, not just not just accepting what you've been told, but actually seeing with your own eyes whether or not that works or doesn't work. I completely agree with just the fact that what Maribel was saying is different economic systems that shape a society as well. And one thing that I'm learning, like that the U.S. is so like super like capitalism, right? And that informs so much of our culture. And I don't think we realize to what extent, right? So time is important. And it's like you say something Oh, the language is extremely direct, but be prepared to go to other countries where they value other things than, oh, being on time and super direct and da 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 da. So things like greetings are dragged out. Time is kind of like a suggestion <laughs> because they value stopping and saying hello to somebody, catching up. And some of those things are beautiful. So in the U.S., we're used to like, oh, the customer's always right. But that's not necessarily the case in other countries. I think it's important to keep an open mind as to why that could be and what is informing that society to make it so that they are valuing other things that are also absolutely beautiful. So try to travel with an open mind and realize that there is beauty and things to learn from every space that you enter and not just trying to be like, oh, their service was terrible. They're this, that. Just a comparison mode is what I would say. Yeah. And that reminds me, it reminds me of an experience I had where someone was talking about how he went to Spain and he'd heard that the people from this one city in Spain are super lazy. And he's like, yeah, you know, they they really are. They're super lazy. You'll be walking around in the middle of the day and they're all just sitting around doing nothing. Right. And it's like, if you actually research the culture, I think 
Don't quote me. It's called um, a siesta. And mm-hmm. it's common where in the hottest part of the day where it's roasting is when they choose to sort of pause for the day. And then after, you know, maybe the sun goes down and it cools down, they go back and get active and stay later into the night, right? People get more violent when it's hot. There's like a lot more like murders and crimes that happen in the summertime. You can get heat stroke and whatever else. It makes sense if the heat is that much of an effect to just say, you know what, we don't need to have a bunch of activity now because it can be dangerous for multiple reasons. And even if you call that lazy, it's like, once again, it is a thriving country. It has been around for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Just because it's not the way you're used to things, hustling all day long, soul-suckingly, does not mean it's not a viable way of living. Mm -hmm. And also your premise is wrong because it's not that they're lazy. It's that their time of day for taking a break is different than yours. Right. Because they then do usually stay up later into the night, whether it's running businesses or doing whatever they have to do. Just an example of like, try to learn before you judge. So what's even crazier is that tradition came as we were Latin America was colonized by Spain. It's a tradition that came with the Spaniards. So for a while, there was a stereotype about Mexicans in particular, but it is it was a tradition. And I believe in Colombia, we've kind of gone away from that tradition. But we also had siesta and many Latin American countries had siesta because it was part of what we were taught through colonization. Hmm. But there was a stereotype for a really long time about Latinos being lazy, particularly Mexicans, because the siesta tradition was also very much ingrained in their culture through colonization. I did want to add one more thing about something you said. You mentioned that comparing our trips to other people's trips on Instagram and how obviously it doesn't have to be that way. And Mm -hmm. I will say that it is so pervasive and it's so sad because some people, like I heard a woman one time tell me that she was waiting to lose weight so she could look a certain way in her pictures before no. going on, on her trip. No. And yes. And so it is really pervasive. So I know it looks beautiful. That's the whole idea of marketing. It looks gorgeous. It looks perfect. But let's not let this comparison, like comparing our, our lives to other people's lives, our trips to other people's trips. Let's not let that stop us because you may be waiting to lose weight for whatever amount of time and life can pass you by. Let's not be so stuck on those beauty standards or lifestyle standards or whatever to not enjoy the fact that we can travel or enjoy ourselves in any way. Like let's not, let's step away from letting Instagram and that comparison game dictate what we should and shouldn't do with our own lives. Absolutely. Don't, don't let that hold you back. Mm-hmm. That concludes our episode for today before we go would you both like to tell the audience where they can find you or if you're not trying to be found no judgment (laughs) um a charity that you like or some other organization that you'd like to shout out i guess i'll start uh i am launching a blog it is a travel blog for solo female travelers my focus is first gen but all women and female identifying people are welcome. It's called the Queen of Trips, and I will be launching next month. 
hopefully by the by the 21st and you can find me there or on instagram as the queen of trips whoa <laughs> and as for me you can find me on instagram as dreamin drea and i am actively in medellin i tend to plan a lot of group trips people just find me it's not even something i promote but feel free to reach out if you're coming out to medellin with a group um or anywhere in colombia really and you're looking for someone to plan like really mostly cultural based itinerary feel free to reach out and yeah here i am Yes, I will vouch for Drea and say that I did go on a trip that she planned and it was fantastic. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Definitely be sure to check out Mari, the Queen of Trips, and Dream and Drea if you are interested in learning more about traveling or having a really great trip, cultural trip planned for you in Colombia. Otherwise, thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to leave a review and check out my feedback survey in the description. To be a guest on the show, hit me up at AdultingHS on Facebook and Instagram or by email at AdultingHS at gmail.com. With that said, this has been Adulting Horror Stories, and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you. I've like completely lost my train of thought and this is why I like that this isn't live because I can just completely lose my mind and it's it's okay.